So what is God's answer to our complaint when we are suffering? Perhaps there's no question more important to any of us than that. Because we all know even people who don't have a close relationship with God or when we ourselves aren't necessarily praying very often, when we start to suffer, all of a sudden, we start to cry out to God more and more asking for His help. And the way that God responds to our suffering, whatever perceived way that is, that often determines how we understand who God is. Something I found very fascinating is that the people who I know who are closest to God in their lives, have the deepest relationship with Jesus Christ, have been those I've known to have the greatest suffering and experience His grace and mercy in the midst of it. And the same is true on the opposite side of the coin. The people who I know who are hardest against God, against any form of religion, are those I've known who have suffered greatly and yet they did not experience God or healing or His presence in any way. So suffering is kind of the, the edge of the, the knife where we fall either deeper in love with God or farther away from Him. But this reminded me of one of the darkest and most tragically beautiful books I've ever read. It's called uh, The Road. It's by Cormac McCarthy. And we're actually starting a St. Paul's Books Club uh, in the next week here. You can speak to Evan for more details on that, but uh, you know, I tend, so I might be speaking about books a little more often. I know I tend to try to speak about things that I think that you as college students can relate to and understand. So we talk about South Park and Twilight and Ryan Gosling, but this is kind of a high calling for you to uh, pick up a book and understand the gospel through it. So The Road, how many people have even heard of The Road before? It's also a movie based on it. That's cheating, though. You have to actually read the book. It's, um, it's really one of the darkest books I've ever read, and it's based on Job. So it's actually based on not necessarily the characters, but all the questions that come out of Job, and especially even how it's written. And it's kind of a post-apocalyptic time when there's been some like planet devastation that's come over the whole earth. So nothing can grow. There's no vegetation. There's no animals left. And most of humanity has been killed off by this time. All of the earth is covered in just basically ash. So it's very gray. It's a very dim look at the world and humanity. And the, the story centers around the relationship between a father and a son. And the whole time, all you see is this world through the eyes of this father who's caring for his about nine-year-old son, who his son was born right when this all happened. And so he has no conception of the, what the world used to look like before this breakdown. And the whole time they're hiding. They're trying to survive with little food. And they're trying to su survive without shelter in the midst of all the elements and the snow. But most of all, they're hiding from everybody else around them. Because for the most part, the only human beings that are left on earth are thieves and murderers. Those who are willing to do anything they could to live. So they're just in constant hiding. One critic said, it's the most desolate view of humanity at its rawest form without a soul. Theft, murder, rape, and cannibalism are the new norms of the herd. And so to read the story of this father and son, it's like, it's like following a small flickering flame going through just a, a field of darkness. One way that the father... He describes his understanding of the world. This is taken almost straight from Job. Uh, it's only suffering and survival. He says, 
It says, He walked out in the gray light and stood, and He saw for a brief moment the absolute truth of the world, the cold, relentless circling of the intestate earth, darkness implacable, the blind dogs of the sun in their running, the crushing black vacuum of the universe. And somewhere, two hunted animals, trembling like ground foxes in their cover, a borrowed time and borrowed world and borrowed eyes with which to sorrow it. Right, so life to him was only a brief participation in the sufferings of this world. And the central question, obviously, on his heart is where is God in the midst of all this? But what's really beautiful is the whole darkness that you see in nature and humanity and everything around them, what it really does is it draws all your attention to the beauty of, and purity of this relationship between the Father and the Son. And what really defines, there's two central elements to their themes, you could say, on their relationship, and that's dialogue. Like It's a very simple dialogue between the father and the son, but the father keeps telling the boy, you have to keep talking to me. You have to tell me what you're going through, what you're thinking. And no matter what the boy has to say, he's always there to listen to him, to talk to him, and try to explain what's going on and how he's per perceiving reality. And secondly, he tells him that there's this theme of the fire, that the father and the son, as they're walking through this devastation, that they're the good guys and they're carrying the fire. Their purpose in life is to carry the fire, which in a sense kind of points to living with decency, to not lose your humanity. Because the only people who have survived this long, for the most part, have been those who have been willing to kill and to steal from others in order to survive, to live. So he said, we have to be the good guys where we're never going to hurt anybody else to preserve our own lives. And we have to preserve this flame of decency in the midst of humanity. To live righteously in an unrighteous world. So like one little example of their dialogue. Um, the boy says, where are we, are we going to be okay? Aren't we, Papa? He says, yes, we are. And nothing bad is going to happen to us. That's right. Because we're the good guys. Yes, and we're carrying the fire, and we're carrying the fire. Yes, okay. You know, so it's very simple, pure dialogue from, from this child and the father, but it's actually symbolic. Because it's not just about what happens when a world breaks down, it's how do you live when all moral systems break down? When you no longer have laws, and you no longer have God, and you no longer have your society determining what's socially acceptable, and everything's in your hands to do whatever you want to do. And when everybody around you is no longer following a moral code of any kind, when no one else is talking about God, when no one else is striving to be good, how are you going to live in the midst of it? It's what it means to carry the fire. And what's so beautiful about the book is you come to see subtly that it's really not about preserving their lives. The goal of, of, the, of their life isn't just survival. The goal is to preserve their love in the midst of the darkness. To preserve their humanity in the midst of everything that is so dark and inhumane around them.
And I think this touches very deeply into the, what we see in the life of Jesus Christ Himself and can speak to the answer of suffering that He gives. Because suffering, darkness, sin, evil, the diabolical, all of this surrounded the life of Christ from the moment that He stepped into His public ministry. Right? Evil and sin, the diabolical, all of it was like Christ's goodness and divinity was a magnet that just drew all the miseries of the world to Himself as we see so clearly in the Gospel today. And He wanted it that way. Because only He had the power to come into contact with that and give it a new orientation and purpose. But what we don't see Christ doing is healing the world of illness. Sickness still happens. Mental, physical, spiritual. He cast out demons. But He did not eradicate the demons from the world itself. We're still caught up in the spiritual battle. He was a light shining in the darkness, but He did not create a perpetual day. We still have the darkness. So what was Christ's purpose when He came into this world in the midst of all the people that were still never healed? That still had to suffer their traumas for the rest of their life? That still died? And I think it's hidden in in one very subtle line in the midst of the Gospel that we read, in the midst of all these healings that Christ is performing. It says, rising very early before dawn, He left and went off to a deserted place to pray. That's the real gift that Christ came to offer us. His relationship with His Father. Because only Jesus Christ has the power as the eternal Son to draw us into a dialogue with God the Father. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Which tells us that the real answer to suffering in this world is not a what. It's not a cure. It's not a thing. It's a who. It's a presence. The presence of a Father who sees me in my suffering. Who hears me when I cry out to Him. Who knows me in my pain. And is there to share it with me and carry me through it. Somehow Christ is telling us that that's even more important than the healing that we can get just by the snap of a finger. And look at us in America. We are more developed and more healthy than anyone in the history of this world. More well off. And yet, look how spiritually and psychologically depleted we are without the presence of God in our life. We can have everything in the world, but if we do not have that relationship with the Father, all the physical, psychological healings will mean nothing in the end. And I was reading, I'm reading this book, it's a synthesis on Pope Benedict's theology. He's one of the greatest theologians in the history of the church in the 20th century. And this book, it's, it's really interesting because it says that basically the paradigm through which Pope Benedict saw Jesus Christ and said that this is how, this is the pattern that runs out throughout history, is that you only know Jesus Christ when you see Him in His dialogue with the Father. It says, Benedict's Christology is situated within the divine dialogue 
between the Father and the Son. It is the prayer of Jesus that reveals His inner reality. A reality of constant dialogue with His Father. Wherein Jesus is revealed as the Word of the Father. And He goes on to say that what what Christianity means is not to just look at what Jesus did and listen to what Jesus said and have that memorized. You know, and just study His actions. But we can only truly know who Jesus is when we enter into His prayer to the Father. That Jesus didn't just give us an external template of what we're supposed to say and do in order to be saved. And we all know that no words can save us when we're suffering. Suffering is the deepest part of what it means to be a human being. And the closest relationships that we have in this life are with other people who understand the depths of that suffering. That's what defines true love. Can you see me in my pain? Not just on the outside when I cross the finish line. And that's why Christ's prayer with His Father, there's a theology called vade mecum. Vade mecum means see with me. That Jesus didn't just come here to tell us about God, but that He he gives us the way to enter into that dialogue with the Father to know Him from within. So that like Christ, we know the Father seeing us, understanding us, and sharing whatever suffering we might be going through from the inside out. You know, one, the only quote that Cormac McCarthy ever said about his book, I thought this was really fascinating. He said, People have said that the road is a very depressing, sad book. But the truth is that the real story is the love between a father and the son. That's what the story is about. And if the book attempts to show anything, it's that that love between father and son can survive even in the midst of of the most horrible circumstances. And we could say the exact same thing about the story of Jesus Christ. That no matter how dark it got, no matter how much He descended into the infirmities and the brokenness of this world, even unto death on the cross, that the story of our faith is not about the suffering It's not about the diabolical. It's not about the illness. The real story of our faith, if anything that the Bible attempts to show, is that the love between God the Father and His Son can survive even in the midst of the most horrible circumstances. Even unto death on a cross. That that love can resurrect from hell. It's a light shining in the darkness that no matter what, the darkness cannot extinguish. And that's supposed to be our story too. That's what it means to be a Christian. Not that I take up my cross and I follow God and I suffer the consequences because of it. Nothing the boy did with his father in that book, The Road, he did just because his father told him to. Because it was the right thing to do. It was from within. 
That flame of love that they shared is what inspired him to strive to be good throughout his life. So I invite you to ponder in this Mass. Number one, how is it that you're feeding that dialogue with God the Father in your own life? Where is your prayer taking place? We were doing the rosary out on campus the other day and I found it fascinating because I was reading this book again in preparation and I was just thinking about that like because the whole book is everyone's walking around just like zombies dead like trying to just eat whatever they can to survive and yet there is this beauty within the father and the son that shone outside of everybody else and I was like that's how you look as Christians praying That while you're on campus and around so many people who don't know God, who don't love God, who aren't following a moral code for God, you can feel like you're walking in a post-apocalyptic, devastated earth. But you become a light shining in the darkness by that very dialogue of prayer with God within you. So where is that being nurtured in your own life? And secondly... Where is the fire that sets you apart from everybody else? It's what it meant for the boy to carry the flame. That they weren't going to fall into the same human indecency just because it was the norm of everybody else around them. When we carry the fire of the faith, of our relationship with Christ and the Father, it sets us apart. We are different from those around us. And it can be, feel very isolating. But not if it's rooted in that relationship, that deeper love with the Father. The true answer to suffering is not a what, it's a who. The presence of the One who sees us in the midst of it. And when we let ourselves be defined by our relationship with God, we too carry that flame like Christ and become a light shining in the darkness and a sign to all, even in a fallen world, that God is still with us.